Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Look out. It's only films to be buried with The Resurrection. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with The Resurrection. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a bonsai gardener, and I love films. As David Beckham once said, people just assume over the years that soccer players are not intelligent. As with most assumptions, they're wrong. I've watched the Christoph Kislovsky Three Colours trilogy and I really not only understood it, I loved it. Fair play, David. Excellent films. Good shout. Every week, I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. But not this week! This week, I use my newly acquired shamanic powers to bring back a former guest from the dead, and I ask them 12 brand new questions. And this week, it is the return of the brilliant Mr. Scroobius Pip. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get 20 minutes extra chat, questions, a secret... The whole thing is an uncut video, ad-free, all of that and more over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Your TV homework, as always, watch Ted Lasso on the Apple TV app and watch Soulmates on Amazon Prime. One will make you happy, the other will make you question your relationships. July 3rd, I will be doing a live Films to be Buried with at the Underbelly Festival with an amazing guest. Get your tickets online somewhere on the internet. Look it up. Films to be buried with live podcast underbelly festival. I see you there, a real live thing with people in the room and everything like that. What? Right. This is episode one hundred and fifty. You've come a long way, baby. I said I'd do two hundred of these. We are three quarters of the way there. So thank you all for listening and making this so special. I do really appreciate it. It was just a thing to try, and here we are, one hundred and fifty episodes later. And I thought to celebrate this one. I would resurrect the robot overlord, the master of the Distraction Pieces Network, and the man who helped and encouraged me to start this podcast in the first place, the actor, artist, podcaster, and corner boy himself, Mr. Scroobius Pip. We recorded this a couple of weeks back. It was a very lovely time and very nice to catch up with him. I think you will love it. So thank you once again to everyone who listens to this show. And that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 150 of films to be buried with the resurrection no i think i'm good yesterday i thought i've not got any 
good, good answers for any of these questions. And then I had a poo, fleshed them out, and I think there's some crackers now. Okay. <laughs> you can leave that go. in if you want. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with The Resurrection. I am joined today by an actor, a writer, a rapper, a poet, a runner, a salmon uplifter, a beard, a wrestler, a MMA referee, a podcaster, a writer, and a human robot man. Please welcome to the show, the man, the legend, the corner boy himself, is Mr. Scroobius Pitt. Hello, mate. Hi, how are you? Welcome back to the show. It's exciting to be back, mate. I'm glad you've highlighted the uplifting of the, of the salmon community I do. I really <laughs> put a lot of time into building their spirits. I forgot what it's called, salmon ladder. It's a salmon, salmon ladder, ladder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a, a lot of people say that I'm responsible for their motivation to swim upstream. <laughs> You're just on at the side of rivers going, go on, lads, go on. Come on, you got this. Go on. <laughs> um, Scrooby's Pip, since we last spoke, you've had quite the life. Bloody hell. Now, tell the listeners, you uh, got a massive part in a massive, huge NBC show called Debris. Congratulations. You, you went man. off to Canada to film it, and then Canada went into lockdown, and you were trapped in a house for how long before you started filming? Um, well, there was... Two months b- before I started filming. So the pandemic started while we were finishing the pilot. So I got to come home. I was on set right. on the Friday night at like 1am. And then I was on a plane by about 11 o'clock on the Saturday. Because they were about to close all the airports. <laughs> so so, oh so I was just God. like, get, get me home. And then I assumed <laughs> the pilot was dead and it wasn't going to happen. And then we got taken to series. So I flew back out. And yeah, all sorts of of delays n- 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 none of which covid related really other than the um the two week quarantine it meant yeah it was two months of being in an airbnb before i made it to set um and i think that is the longest scene ever shot because the first thing i was doing was wrapping up the pilot so that pilot was n- or that scene in the pilot was nine months um yeah. in making how long does it play on screen that <laughs> About- scene under a minute i'd say under a minute and they edited well, it as totally well so, it. so probably under 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> um riddle me this now what's interesting about you i know you and uh, you know I, i'm a fan you tend to you like the idea of being alone you like to do stuff you're a alone what you know troubling what's the word um a troubling loner scary loner yeah Sca- <laughs> troubling loners <laughs> You're one of the travelling loners, <laughs> worrying, <laughs> worrying solo boys. Hide-ons. <laughs> uh, but for so, you, we also like people and social interaction and stuff. You were kind of forced into this situation of actually genuinely being alone for at least like two months where you were in a country you didn't know, you didn't know anyone, and there was a lockdown and you were in an Airbnb. How was that? And did you think, oh, I don't like being alone as much as I thought I did? Or was it a dream? I struggled m- massively, Brett. Mentally, physically, in every way. Um, But, yeah, it's the two things I think that made it harder was, number one, I hadn't thought about being on a different time zone. So by about 2 p.m. in the afternoon, everyone I knew was asleep. 
So it was a new loneliness kind of thing because there's not anyone to message or even there's not anyone you really know posting on social media or anything. It's all it's all happened. Um, But the other thing was you also know, because I think it's one of the things that we connected on is we're both workaholics in many ways and we like creating and Mm. our creative worlds were on hold as well. So I found it really hard to get motivated to work on scripts, to work on anything else, because it felt like, well, weirdly, it's always the case that it's not going to happen for a, for many years with most scripts yeah. or anything you work on. But n- knowing that literally no meetings, no no one was going to pat you on the back and say, that's good, that's good, <laughs> this might happen someday, just made me really struggle to get motivated creatively. So, yeah, it was a weird one. The first, that two-week or... I think it was a, t- a 10 day quarantine in Canada. That mm. was a struggle, but part of that was I wasn't allowed to leave my Airbnb and jet lag. Like, you know that jet lag oh, yeah, makes yeah. you more emotional. It's like, yeah. as planes make you more emotional, jet lag also makes you a bit of <laughs> a broken character. So, yeah, the first four or five days, I was. I was, I was furious about my Airbnb, which is I, en- I ended up living in really happily for seven months, but I was looking up other options. I was looking up the legality of cancelling it. Right. I was looking up well, where else I could stay. I was looking up all sorts of stuff. And then I kind of calmed down and went, ah, it's fine. <laughs> it's just, I, it, I'm, I'm just a bit sleepy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it did get a lot better out there. And there was, like, the work was amazing. Like, a, a, yeah. You know as well that, sets can be really hit and miss the tone on a set mm-hmm. the vibe on a set can really influence how that whole job goes but the two leads on this were amazing the showrunner was amazing and just everyone involved I, I, I always forget the terms is it the third ad who runs kind of the base area is that yeah. the third our third was just the most positive person in the world ever so it just genuinely always felt like a ah here i am um, in fact, I've got That's a story no. about that that I'll tell you on the first question. But, um, yeah, okay. thing, things like that really made it a joy to be on set. But then, as you'll also know, you get scripts an episode at a time and you'll be scanning to see how much you're in it, if you're in it. And every now and then, I had at one point where I hadn't been in, or I knew I wasn't in for three weeks, and then I got the next script through and I wasn't in it. So I knew that that was another... God. Two weeks or three weeks. In those periods of time, what were you doing? Like, what were you doing in the three weeks when you weren't filming and you were in Canada? I was watching a lot of stuff. And again, that's a massive thing for me. It made me love and appreciate this whole industry more because finding good TV shows really helped. I'd go for a lot of long walks. I'd got some kettlebells and stuff, so I was doing a lot of home workouts and I got weirdly into schedules. Like there were points where I'm waiting to be on set <laughs> and then I get my filming date through and I'm working on a Wednesday and I'm like, I've got my plans on a Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday is when I do my big workout and I get a takeaway. And the rest of the week, the rest of the midweek, I'm very healthy. Oh, right. But I do a big workout and a gains t- 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 a takeaway on a Wednesday. So I'd get all grumpy that I've been waiting to be on set. It's like any other day and I would have been happy, but that's the main day that I'd, I have it planned out. <laughs> so, yeah, I got weirdly regimented. Yeah, those ones were the hardest. After that two-month wait where I watched all of The Sopranos um, and mm. just all sorts of stuff like that, 
or I let my guard down. I was prepared for a wait at the beginning. I'd prepared a lot of TV right. shows I was going to watch. But when we got up and rolling, I was like, oh, we're up and rolling now. So when I had... Yeah, yeah there was a six or seven week period in the middle that I had no time on set. And it's because oh. the episode I was in, they happened to shoot m- my scene on the first day of that episode. And then I oh. wasn't in the next one and a half. I was in the in the third, but I was the last scene. So it just, timing just left this huge gap. And that was, again, yeah, tough. Because you can't social... I, we, we were... We were the only mm. show in that period in Vancouver, I think, that didn't get sh- shut down for COVID because everyone was being such a team player and not taking any risks, not doing any socialising. But, yeah, that made it tough at points. What a, what a fucking nightmare. Now you're back You're back in England and I assume seeing friends and people and stuff. Uh, was it, like, overwhelmed? Were you like, oh, fuck, this is too much? Or is it, like, Well, that yes. was... A, that- that was another thing that got me through, was I had to keep reminding myself that I'm not away from normal life. Like, if I'd been in the UK, I wouldn't have been seeing yeah. people. And that was a really hard yeah, thing to get in my head. In my head, I'm missing all my friends and all my family. It's like, no, I, that, yeah. I wouldn't have seen them anyway. And since I've been back, I've not seen any of my pals, but I've seen I've right. seen my mum and dad and brother and, and my partner all outside or, you know, who, whoever's in my, my bubble inside. But, yeah, I've not been going crazy on it because... Being on a production tr- trained me well, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I was like, I don't mind wearing a mask. I don't mind not going out and have and, t- and taking precautions. It's made a big difference. Again, it's all psychological, man. But knowing mm. that I'm near, in, in that period, my dad had to have some surgery and all sorts of things like that, which not being near, it's not like I would have been around there. It's not like I could have done yeah. anything, but not being near really put me in a weird place and... You know, yeah, that's horrible. All friends and family in a pandemic. It's like, I'm not going to see them, but if something happened and I had to, mm. I couldn't. It wasn't an option. Because, yeah. again, particularly with the quarantines. So if I had to pop home for anything, I would have had to you quarantine for 14 days here yeah. and then 10 days when I get back. So it literally wasn't an option. Christmas and New Year weren't an option because we didn't have enough of a gap to fly home, quarantine for two weeks, have Christmas Day and then fly back, quarantine for 10 days. What did you do on Christmas Day? Not a lot, mate. Again, everyone was asleep by two. <laughs> no, earlier on Christmas, because people fall asleep early. So about yeah. midday, everyone I knew was asleep. But yeah, I got a takeaway. I, I watched some films. I had a, a lovely time. I, di- I did do a lot of w- w- walks around a creek near me, because I think it improved a lot of other people's Christmas to hear someone with my accent say, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, young man. It made everyone feel a bit more Dickensian in Canada. So, yeah, yeah. I did a bit of walking. I did a bit of, of hanging out. On Christmas Eve, actually, a, a, one of the producers and a few of the people in our cast bubble all had some food around theirs. And, man, yeah. again, as you know, I'm not that social a guy. Man, yeah. I appreciated being invited to that. Yeah. I still left early. It's me. Um, yeah. But I had a you lovely five time. five minutes of that. But yeah, I had a lovely thought. time. I socialised and then I walked home. With some headphones on and feeling all Christmassy, and yeah, it was good. That's, uh, I mean, man, you really—that's a—that's uh, heavy. That's really quite hardcore. Yeah, um, it's been a weird big one. Respect to you surviving that. Listen, debris is not here in England yet, but I did see the first twenty minutes when they did a teaser. Yeah, it fucking brilliant. And you're the opener. You're the cold open. It looked fucking great. I'm opening it all up. 
My question is, if you have an answer to this, having now done, I assume that's the biggest production you've done? That's a yeah, huge role old role-wise, definitely. Like, my, or my uh, involvement. Is there anything you've learnt new that you could tell us in a succinct soundbite? <laughs> um, <laughs> or is that I've, too big a question? I've continued to learn. I love it. Like, it's still amazing Great. on all levels. I've learnt there's constant compromise artistically, personally, all sorts, but that's part of the game. Mm. And it's motivated me all the more to, to, number one, do more. It was a really weird one because, as you will also know, we didn't get a Series 2. There's still a chance of it being shocked about, Mm. but it was such a weird one to be tied because I was signed on for for five seasons. Yeah. And it's such a weird thing in anything artistic, doing it and knowing I absolutely adore it, but my mind works in the what am I missing out on? And I had a few things that, that I missed out on because I was doing it, which, again, it's for fine. I was doing something I adored. It also made me think you've got to be really careful on what you sign on to because if I didn't for adore sure. it, then that would have been heartbreaking because the things I missed out on were really good shows, shows I've wanted <laughs> to be part of for years, but I was more than happy to pass them. One of them, I think I mentioned it online, was Peaky Blinders. I got offered a part in Peaky Blinders, a small part. Oh, really? And you know that's very much my kind of show. Um, yeah. But I was like, wow. I mean, it's a shame, but I was amazed at how unfazed I was because I'm working on a show that I'm having input in. I'm going back and forth mm. with the showrunners. It's a character I'm developing and working on. It was a dream. But, yeah, it made me even more adamant to be cautious and, and selective on what I do rather than go... Actors similar to comedians seem constantly scared that someone else is going to take their position in the industry. Like, if I turn down this role, then that's me over. Someone else will get mm-hmm. it. Like, I've talked to a lot of comedians about it over the fringe, like about the fringe this year. So many people so pleased to take a year off from the fringe without the fear yeah. that someone else is there taking their position and getting their opportunities. Um, Interesting. And, yeah, I think also partly because I'm new to it, there's an over thing of oh someone's offered me a role <gasps> me yeah. oh how beautiful <laughs> yeah. how kind of you but you yeah you, you do need to be selective on these things and and careful so yeah it's made me even more i've always been on that route but it's made me even more on that it's it's firmed up that belief that you need to select carefully and work with fucking awesome people fuck yeah Scroobius pip you have been brought back to life Welcome to the planet again. But what point in your life have you come back to? What will you change? What will stay the same? Hello, welcome back. Thanks, mate. Hello. Do I have to answer those questions? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, wh- wh- you've been brought back to life from your death. Where would you like to be brought back to now? I'll come, back, I'll come back to just at the start of the hellish quarantine in, in Canada. <laughs> no, no, I won't. That'd be, that'd be horrendous. <laughs> no, I'd, yeah, I'd come back I'd come back to now. I really would. I wouldn't want to have missed Which any of your wonderful previous episodes, Brett. So um, right. it'd be... But also, I don't want to go through any of them again. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd come back to now. I think there is an air of... If you can f- find it, there's an air of positivity... I think everyone has been taken down a notch or two because of the Mm. pandemic that we've just been through. I'm not saying I think a 
pandemic was what we needed, but you know, everyone's been taken down a notch or two. Everyone's been reminded of their mortality. And I've just been reminded of my immortality as I've come back from the dead. So I've got the advantage. Bring yes. it on. <laughs> uh, well, welcome back. Uh, you, you've been resurrected. And um, on Earth, things have changed a bit since you died. People are sort of more obsessed with films than they used to be. And, oh, and the, the, Which is weird because obviously TV is quite big at the moment. But yeah. no, people are still obsessed with films. And uh, they want to talk about you through films and the first question is what is the last film that you saw Scroobius Pip? the last film i saw was holy motors ah oh, i seen like it? that film i have you seen see, that film i'm on a bit of a david levant obsession at the moment and i enjoyed holy motors but i've seen three of his films so far and it's my third favorite um, okay but okay. it's really good i think he's just mind-blowing i haven't seen his other films are they all mad so, so they he's, all he's, like he's, he's the lead actor in it. There's oh, yeah. another film he was in called Beau Tr- a Travail, which is mm-hmm. Claire Denis. Is it Claire Denis or Claire Dennis? I don't know. Claire Denis. But I think she's Claire amazing. Denis. Um, she is and he's amazing. amazing in that. But the the other film I saw of his was by the director of Holy Motors, and it was called Lovers on the Bridge. Okay. And it's one of the best things I've ever seen. His performance in that is mind-blowing. And... This is the story I was going to tell you about the third AD because I'd heard about this. I'd heard about this film, Lovers on the B- Bridge, from um, who was it? I heard talking about it. I heard someone talking about it on on another podcast. There's a podcast that's about that people go and talk in theatres. I can't remember the name of the podcast, but it was it was um, a J- a J- a Jesse Buckley. Who was talking about okay, it? Love it. And she recommended it. I, I love her. We worked together on 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 Taboo. She's amazing. We, uh, yeah. I think it's been so good watching her just do better and better. And she mentioned this film, and I str- struggled to find it. But then I found it on Blu-ray while I was in Canada. Ordered it, pop, popped it into my PS3, which I'd taken with me, and it's the wrong region. So I was like, oh man, I can't watch it. And then I had this breakthrough. I was like, you know this? All film trailers completely unneeded, have a little TV and a DVD player. I've never used them. Why are you going to be watching a film in costume on set? I was like, I'm <laughs> yeah. taking this to set. So, and so I said to Michelle Fish, who was our, our third, who was amazing, I said, I said to her after, after one day, I was like, look, at some point, we're going to be here filming, you're going to wrap me, and I'm not going to want my car home for two hours because I'm going to sit in my trailer and watch a film. I explained the whole story. She was like, this is the best Right, we've got a mission. This is amazing. So I turn up for set one day and I get out the car and she goes, Pip, have you got the Blu-ray? And I was like, what's happened? She's like, we're, we're running behind quite a bit. And I think today could be the day. So I was like, all right, I'm still not sure. I'm not sure if I want to watch it pre-filming. This feels madness. Yeah. After, after yeah. filming, maybe pre, it feels dangerous, partly because of professionalism, partly because you and me know if you're st- you, you can't stop a film. Yeah, I'm not being interrupted. No. That's hell. No, so no, I did. No, no. I was like, look, let's let's not hedge our bets. So I do hair and makeup. I did hair and makeup. <laughs> I got in costume, and at, at that point, my character's in prison. So my costume is essentially pajamas. So it's perfect for watching Lovely. a film. So I get my lunch, eat my lunch. I get a little cake. I go to Michelle. I was like, how are we looking? She's like, look. We're still two scenes away. I was like, but they're short scenes, right? She's like, yeah, but they're in different locations. So there's going to be reception. She's like, I think you watch the film. 
And I was nervous, and I did. I popped it on. I'm in my trailer, so I'm feeling like a film star. You know all of this is still new to me, and I feel completely out of place constantly. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm on set. Um, so I put it on, and I crank up the volume. I've got a little sound bar, so it's giving me this nice, this good sound. And it, like, literally, as I put the Blu-ray in, it starts to rain outside. It's a rain on the outside of my little caravan. Nice. It's so perfect. And I watched it, got all the way through. Literally all the way through, no one knocking, no one interrupting, and it is a beautiful film. It's just his performance. He plays a homeless guy in it. They both mm-hmm. play homeless people in it, and it's just amazing. I, I assumed that they'd somehow f- f- found this amazing homeless person, um, and then I found out he's one of the classic French actors of this era. Wow. Um, we f- finished it. I digested it for five minutes. I started going over my lines to get get back into the scene. I had a knock on the door to say 15-minute warning. It was perfect. And I I, I told people, I, I caught up with friends and family the next day, and I said, I had the best day on set I've ever had. <laughs> and then I told the story, and, and they were like, but none of this is to do with acting or the show or the scene. <laughs> I was like, but no, but you'll know how hard it is to time, because the worst thing is if you've got a two, three-hour yeah. wait and you're just sitting there on the edge of your seat the whole time. So not only did the film fall perfectly, it filled that gap. I would have had two hours of going, I'm ready, I'm ready. I don't want to get too relaxed. I don't want to get too out of character or whatever. It was perfect. That's wonderful. But yeah. I mean, I totally get that. You absolutely nailed it. But Holy Motors is amazing as well. (laughs) It is good, isn't it? Really good. And it's... Really good. It's an illustration of him as an actor. It's basically Mm. the dream role for any actor because it's like you're going to play 10 different characters that they're going to get to see you transform they're going to get to see what an absolute master you are and it's this weird you're this weird dude and yeah loved it and every time you think you get a handle on it we're going to change the rules every scene yeah very good yeah the scrivious pip who do you think should play you in the film of your life well a bit of an obvious answer here brett but i think it should be me because to cast someone who hasn't got a stutter to play a character with a stutter would be yeah. disgraceful and i'm the only Is actor it? out there that's really got I'd, i've not met any others just basically if people start to write more roles with stutters i would have to get mm. every gig because it'd be a crime right. you're the only in one representation you you're the only one out there there can't be many i can't be the only one out there but there's not a lot oh so if I played you, it would be really offensive. So offensive. I'd even you cancelled. saying that out loud, you could get cancelled. But <laughs> but the, even if the, I'm like, but I know him really well. I've I've spent a lot of time with him. It's not, you know, I'm not like, you know, and I wouldn't play it for, for laughs or anything. Yeah, <laughs> really respect, yeah. I mean, respectfully. And I know damn well that, that if that room was private, you would have said, but I n- 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 know him really w- 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 well um, just no, to try and get the I, gig. Um <laughs> <laughs> but that Maybe. that aside, and this is going to sound like an arrogant one now, but genuinely, b- before he became a national heartthrob, the one time I've been m- mistaken for someone else, it was hugely embarrassing because I was doing the Camden Crawl and it was the first time that m- me and Dan Lasaka started to feel, oh, man, are we are we mm. famous? <laughs> like, like we'd had a queue right. outside our gig around the corner. And I went to another yeah. gig and this woman came... Two people had been at our gigs. Gig asked for a photo. I had a photo, and this this middle aged woman saw and she came over and said, "I know who you are." And I was like, "All right." 
cool. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not going to interrupt you or that, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave you t- 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 to your day, but I know who you are. I was like, all right, cool. She's like, you're Ryan Gosling. And I was like, oh, no, no, sorry. I was being all, all timid and, 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 yeah. and humble because I thought she knows who I am. I'm screwing script. She's like, you're Ryan Gosling. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm not. And this was like half Nelson era. So it was before he was a heartthrob. He was a bit scruffy. Mm. And I was like, no, I'm not. She's like, it's okay. I know it's you. I just want you to know I think you're really talented. I was like, no, no, honestly, no, you've made a mistake. She's like, I'm not going to interrupt you. I know it's you. Have a good I day. I just want you to know. So it was literally, it was the most awkward and embarrassing thing because I thought, oh, I've been recognised, but I hadn't. You do look a bit like him. I reckon he's talented enough to, to get back, back down to my level of attractiveness. I think he's talented enough that we would forgive him uh, playing a, a stuttering part. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So, yeah, I'd go for... Okay, that's a good choice. ...for Ryan Gosling. Speaking of Ryan Gosling, Scrooby's Pit, what's the most romantic film you've ever seen? Now, I've got a, a, a list of films here, and I've got a bit of a rant. So oh, the, the one that came to mind first was a 120 BPM. Love that. And I talked about Love this that. on your sister podcast, cuddle club because mm-hmm. i talked about this f- for best hug on screen hug yeah and i asked is a hand job a cuddle no it's a very located right, it's a very specific but there's a hand job scene in this that is one of the most beautiful and romantic moments ever and it's in a hospital but then i was thinking of other most romantic what films. did lily what did lily say did she say a hand job is a cuddle she's Said it wasn't until I pushed her on it. And again, this right. sounds very me too, but I, I argued my point and <laughs> she said a clear no. And I said, look, just hear me out. And then, I ma- then I mansplained her <laughs> and I said, it is. And she said, no, you're right, it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, but good. the other films I had were Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Ammonite, Excellent. God's Own Country, Beach Rats, and they're all gay, gay cinema. And mm-hmm. I had this realisation that in heteronormative romantic films, the goal is always to fall in love. And in most queer cinema, the goal is to to fuck, and that's about it. And then the falling in love then means all the more and is all the more powerful. Mm. And even, you know, I'd argue against that in Portrait of a Lady of Fire, of a Lady on Fire, maybe, and Ammonite, because the goal isn't to get laid, but it certainly isn't to fall in love. None of the characters are there looking for love. And in hetero love stories it's nearly always at least one of them is searching for it or it's implied yeah. at least and it feels like gay cinema gets to miss that cliche more often than not that makes it all the more powerful that that when they do find love it's all the more beautiful because it's it wasn't either of the characters end goal it's almost particularly in in ammonite it's, there's a huge reluctance it's completely against what either of the characters want or are looking for and man, that makes it more powerful. So, what's your answer, Ammonite? No, I'm I'm, I'm going to stick with 120 BPM. But it was yeah, it just it it surprised me that all the films I was going through were all all gay cinema. That's really interesting. Yeah, um, and yeah, I realised that that was the theme there. That's very interesting. I think about 120 BPM a lot. That film has really, really stayed with me. I think that's beautiful, is, isn't it? It's, it's very come. Special, it's, it's come to the fore again after the amazing. Um, it's what was sin. the TV series? It's, it's a, sin. a Sin. It's a Sin, of course it yeah. was. Um, and that did a be- beautiful job of telling the UK story that mm. 120 BPM tells the French story of. The same era, the same p- 
period. Um, the acting in 120 BPM as well, that's one of them films where it's like, this must be a documentary. Standard. I don't understand how any of these people are acting. Yeah. It feels yeah. so natural. Amazing. I love that. Um, what is the best film you ever saw that you never want to see again? Um, I had a good, good, good think about this, and the answer is Honey Boy. Oh, right. Go on. And the reason I never want to see it again is Shia LaBeouf. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> um, enough. It's, it's, it's also, it's more than that, because I think it's a wonderful, wonderful film. I really enjoyed it. But it also excuses Shia LaBeouf's actions a bit, because it is kind of his story of his childhood, which was very rough and very horrible. You then add that FKA Twigs is in it, who is mm. her performance is astounding. I think she's a wonderful artist and to hear what he put her through is heartbreaking. So it's a really in general I struggle with films of people who have been outed as abusers, but this one jumped out because it's almost his yeah but if you know right. what I mean. And again yeah, it's yeah. true as well. I do think there is that thing of most people like when does the victim become the 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 abuser he 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 was abused in many different ways in his childhood so he's the one that we're sympathetic to and then when he starts to repeat some of these actions he's rightfully the one that we're we're hating on and i think it's really complex and i do think f- fuck Shia LaBeouf but then i also think fuck Shia LaBeouf with help and therapy and assistance and fuck him well (laughs) you know i think i think he needs it's 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 a tough one man i think all of these things are tough ones um i think cancel culture is hugely exaggerated but i also think there's something there and we're too quick to make the solution to everything that person's career is over rather than that person deserves to suffer the consequences, but I also believe in rehabilitation rather than punishment in most situations. Um, And I think that's what our prison system is meant to be. It's meant to be rehabilitation. It's not meant to be Mm. punishment. It's meant to be... It it doesn't work because of the way they're run, but, yeah, that's that's why I, I struggle. I really enjoyed Honey Boy, and I got to enjoy it for a very short amount of time. B- yeah. before everything came out that's like no nah, massively fuck this guy before you wanted to fuck him well <laughs> yeah that's very interesting but but to fuck him with love and with understanding yeah, yeah. and with some kind of i don't know as I said he's someone who's been through some shit and that's what irks me about that film is it makes me more sympathetic to someone who i would normally be let's just get rid of this absolute dickhead hey girlfriends it's me carol fisher I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do find this missing girlfriend and tell her story with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one like my producer Anna oh my god my friend Dr. Mindy Shapiro hi it's Dr. Shapiro and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner and of course Gail's sister Elaine Katz 
Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Very interesting, Screamiest Pip. Tell me this, though. What's the best action film you've ever seen? Now, this feels a lot less interesting because it feels really obvious, but it's Con Air, isn't it? Isn't it it Con Air? Isn't it Con Air? It can be. It, It can be. I had a good think about it. Yeah, I couldn't think about anything I enjoyed more. I I went towards things like On Back, which were kind of a bit of a crossover of a martial arts and action. The Raid and Dread were both in there. But I think all of the others have some kind of tinge of credibility to get them away from simply being an action film. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's It's not just an action film. Like as if action Con films are really is, fun. It's an action film. It's very much an action it's film. An you action don't have film. to j- justify it. It doesn't try to justify it. It's got Cusack. It's got Cage. It's got Buscemi. I mean, it's got questionable c- characters and lines, I guess. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. You could have Con Air. I'm not taking that away from you. What, um, Screwy's Pip, of all the films that exist, if you had to, which film do you think you could have made and why? This is one of the questions no one's entirely sure what it means, including me. But I think you get it. Oh, 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 you've got some questions on the Patreon exclusive that I've got a lot to discuss with you on because I'm not happy with several of them. Um, but we'll get okay. to that exclusively over on Patreon. <laughs> great, great, great. A, li- a, li- a little advert there, Brett, mid pod. <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, <laughs> I thought about this. The obvious answer is a Clerks or something, because they're, they're famously the point of them. Clerks mm-hmm. is punk bands. Like, half of the point is to make you think I could do that, and that's half of the thing that's exciting about them. But the one I've gone for, b- b- because it is the film, that not so much made me think I could do that, but made me think I want to do that. And, man, I'm b- b- bringing in a gambit of troubling people, but it's a Buffalo 66 Right, yeah, I could see you making Buffalo 66, actually. I, it's got just the right level of pretension for me, but it feels yeah. achievable <laughs> and understandable enough. It's got just the right amount of references to kind of French and European cinema, um, but probably haven't actually watched as much as I want people to think. It's got everything there. But yeah, Buffalo 66 for a long time was my favourite film, and I think it was the first kind of indie film I saw properly that made or indie slash art. It's a bit of an art house film. 
Yeah. It was one of the first ones then that made me go, oh man, this is a thing. And it was, it was an, it was a proper auteur. It was written, directed, starring music by, you know, it was real. Yeah. Who's the dad? Ben Gazzara. Is that the dad in it? Like yeah, I think him. so. I think so, yeah. And and what's his name just popping in there? Mickey Rourke with a little cameo. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. What I love about Vincent Gallo is when he made, I believe it was The Brown Bunny, which mm-hmm. was sort of universally not liked, but it may have also been to do with Buffalo 66. Is that mm-hmm. what we're calling yeah. it now? Uh, <laughs> he, he drove across country America to beat up all the critics who'd given him a bad review. Yeah. Yeah. And I really respect that. Which, speaking of Kevin Smith, that then got written into yeah. Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back or whatever. That was the big ending, yeah. wasn't it? I'm no, no fan of violence and I don't think it's ever justified, except when it's Vincent Gallo driving around beating up yeah. critics. I love who it. about his film. I love it. I, I for really a long time, it. had a note of the name of one critic of one of my albums because I was, I swore that if I ever met him in real life, I was going to punch him in the face. Um, and the reason being was I think people have started to forget that there's consequences in the real world to what goes on online. And I think we see it a lot mm. on Twitter, a lot on these kind of things. And this particular article had written a bad review of, of, of one of my records, but had theorised that I'm racist. Mm. And that really annoyed and offended me. And I'm not going to drop yeah, a... Some of my best mates are black, but... I've got black family who are younger than me, who it was a real moment in my life, just a heartbreak, I thought. The idea of them mm. being racially abused, it would make me so angry. Like, my niece, who I used to babysit, since she was, like, that big, the thought mm. of that adorable child being abused because of her skin colour would infuriate me. So it, his theory of it came from, I'd been asked in an interview who some of my favourite rappers were, and I think off the top of my head, I'd said some white rappers. And again, I, I like a lot of different rappers. And I would, in reality, I would now m- m- make sure I didn't just give a list of white rappers because I think that is damaging and it is yeah. an art that has come from the the black community and it's important to pay correct homage in that way. So I get the point there, but to write in an article that, I'm likely racist or have racist tendencies just infuriated me. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, it's it's beyond... I mean, my first album or second album got a 0.2 out of 10 in Pitchfork, and I did make note of the journalist there. I've not threatened to beat anyone up. I th- I'm, so it's uh, not a bad reviews thing. It's a yeah, yeah. that's offensive to say thing. Yeah, you know, I'd say that's totally legit. What is the film you have pretended to like to impress people? By impress people, do you mean get through a podcast with the star of said film? Uh, let's say yes. Because I think I'm good at, at lying to myself. Because when I had Michael Fassbender on, I genuinely enjoyed The Snowman. And when I think back, I, I don't think that. it was great. And when I had Kevin Smith on, I genuinely enjoyed J- Jay and Silent Bob the reboot. And when I think back now, I don't know if it holds up. I think I enjoyed it because of nostalgia that we previously mentioned there. And, yeah, I think I'm good at lying to myself because, genuinely, I've had ones where someone has got work I'm not a fan of and I've just dodged past it or I've turned down the interview. Uh, But those two, I genuinely raved about the films and I've had people furious with me going, like, what do you mean? 
<laughs> so yeah. I remember texting you about the snowman. Going, <laughs> yeah. Is it? Okay. I, I, but on the podcast, I said, and I stand by it, I think what I liked was it felt like a BBC crime thing. And I think that yeah. was actually the fact it was, it seemed a bit amateurish in places. It didn't feel as, as, as filmic and cinematic. Mm. Yeah. I enjoyed it at the time. And again, I would have in private, I would have fought my own corner. I'm sure I did then. I'm sure I didn't just say, no, it's just for the interview. But yeah, the more I think back or see clips from stuff that I was like, oh, I rated that. I think, oh, am I just good at lying to myself? Am I good at going, I really want to talk to Michael Fassbender. I think he's amazing. You'd best enjoy this film. Um, (laughs) That's a good skill. I also do think that we have a really important thing that we need to hold true to is we often get to see films before the public or the critics have told us if we should like it or not. And I think mm. on that one, like I watched it and enjoyed it, and by the time I was about to do the interview, it had started to get a bit of hate. And I think that made me more resolute to the, no, just because you've told me it's rubbish, I watched it at the time and I thought it was amazing. So just because yeah. you're all telling me it's rubbish now, I'm not having it. But yeah, I think it made me maybe more resolute on that to go, man... It's kind of a masterpiece. <laughs> Is it the greatest film ever made? It might yeah. be the greatest film I mean, film the choice made. to cast an actor who couldn't put together a sentence in Val Kilmer at this point was so powerful. Um, yeah. The choice not to film 25% of the script was powerful. <laughs> uh, yeah. What is the film you've never seen that you think it's mad you've never seen it? Brace yourself, Brett. It's Paddington 2. That is mad. What is the film you love that you don't expect anyone else to like? <laughs> Are we moving on that quickly? <laughs> okay, well... Um, uh, it's, it's, I've seen, I'll I've, be, I've seen that Paddington 1. That is the only reason I do The Resurrection is for that, is for that um, question. The, the, the film I love that I don't expect anyone else to like is Killer Joe. Go on, I've seen Killer Joe. I, I like that. The reason I don't expect anyone else to like it is it's the first film I've raved about to people that I then got abusive messages back after I made them sit through it. Or that and what w- Way of the Gun are the first two films that I was, like, yeah. blown away by. And, and Killer Joe stands out because I recommend it to to Amy Bullman of, of the, the Mum and Mama podcast, our network friend. Yeah. And her and her, her, her partner at the time watched it and messaged me going what the fuck have you just made us sit through? And I think it made me realise that there are certain things that are very much an acquired taste. And I think I don't notice that enough. Again, on my first album, I'm I'm having flashbacks now, but on my first album, I talk about death a lot. And Mm. it was only when the reviews came out that people saying it's all quite morbid, even the positive reviews, it's quite morbid, but it's important to talk about these things. I didn't realise that we don't talk about death much. I, I just didn't know that. And... Yeah, I've had that with numerous films and numerous other things. Um, so people will think of me as this bleak or morbid or morose person, but it will just be like, oh, no, I just didn't know there's certain things for certain times. I thought yeah. everything was for every time. And I guess I probably recommended Killer Joe to a couple on a Friday night. And it might not be a couple's Friday night film, but I loved it. It's one of my favourites. It just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Killer Joe is also... It's where I first saw Love of My Life, Gino Temple. Yeah, She's, exactly. Uh, incredible in, in Killer Joe. Yeah, absolutely astounding. Her performance Bafta. and McConaughey's performance, just astounding, yeah. in my opinion. And then later finding yeah. out it was a play 
and that's why it's kind of it, it didn't feel like a film it had something but i think they did a really good job of because i think it can be bad when you adapt a play and essentially you've just filmed a play because <laughs> yeah. film and the theater are, are, are very different art forms from the acting to the directing to everything in my novice opinion yeah, plays a plays a boring yeah, um, yeah exactly well i think they, they kept the beauty of the play in there but yeah yeah they did What's the film you would show a lover as a test to see if you should be together? It's uncomfortable time, Brett, because it's Super Bob. I always get Super Bob in, but genuinely, <laughs> I watched it with my partner and we both adored it. And I'd watched it at least four or five times at that point. And this comes back to the thing of, because I don't know that there's certain things that aren't for certain times, I think... People often, from an outs from the outside, have an opinion mm. of me as being quite dark, quite brooding, or whatever else. Like there was another date years ago that a girl came over, and I was like, "You've got to watch this film." And it was Dead Man's Shoes, and I love it. But it ended, and she was yeah. like, "I mean, it was great, but why have we watched that? I'm so sad. Like I'm, so- <laughs> this is miserable." And I was and like, like, "Should we go to bed?" Yeah, I was Should like, we- "I just thought it was great. Now, I didn't think about it as anything other than." <laughs> A great film. Yeah. So Super Bob is that one because it's so, as I tell you all the time, it so beautifully addresses l- love and happiness and positivity and at no point, point feels saccharine or cheesy or over the top. And I think I love that shit too, just because you might know that I'm putting on this really weird, or I've written loads of songs about suicide or whatever else. Mm. I also think these things are beautiful when they're done right. So, yeah. You're very nice, Grievous Pip. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. And you're right. If you show a date, Super Bob, and they don't like it, you immediately should break up. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. 100%. That's if that's the you know that's sort of the message of the film, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> I, I love the idea of it as your answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't like Just this, it's going to be pretty it. awkward. You enjoying this? You enjoying this? You enjoying it? You didn't laugh at that bit. What's wrong? You this, is bas- this? Oh. this is this is basically an advert for being in a relationship with me. So how are you feeling about <laughs> this it? This is what it's like. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be this awkward. Yeah. Uh, what? What is, th- thank you though, what is the film that made you the most uncomfortable? Now, mm. I've kind of got a, a, a prelude to my answer here because I'm reading uncomfortable as, as, as unwanted uncomfortableness because I go and see every Gaspar Noe film in the cinema for the uncomfortableness. Like, I, yeah. I, there's a lot of things I enjoy at home, but Gaspar Noe films, and, and again, a lot of things I'd rather be in an empty cinema, but Gaspar Noe films tend to be only on incursions and stuff like that, and it'll be quite full. Yeah. And I yeah. adore the uncomfortableness of when the end credits are rolling and everyone has to get up and go into this, the, even if it's just the light of the foyer and be yeah. around other humans and know that you all saw that together. You were yeah. you couldn't see each other in the dark, but now the lights are up and you can see each other's faces. <laughs> and I, I, I saw a reversible in the, the cinema w- with Amy Borman, actually, who I previously mentioned, and people w- w- really walked out. This I went to see Enter the Void in the cinema and the most... I love Enter the Void. And the most recent climax, which is my favourite of the Gaspar Noe films. I just adored it. Because I think Gaspar obsesses over one thing in each film. Film and in 
Irreversible, who was obsessing over violence. In Enter the Void, he was obsessing over the brain. And in Climax, he was obsessing over the dance. And I love that. As a, in, in, in love, he's obsessing over sex. And yeah, I love that, the, 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 the focus of dance. All of them will have violence, the brain, mm. and sex in. <laughs> you know, they'll have yeah. all of them, but he obsesses over one. And yeah, I loved it. But again, I felt that was a cheat in the question because they're chosen the, the discomfort. So one year on Boxing Day, we were visiting my uncle and we decided to all go to the cinema as a family. Me, my mum, my brother, my cousins, who were all younger than me, me aunts and uncles. And the only thing that we all fancied was Girl with the a Dragon Tattoo. Um, oh boy, heard, boy. heard the book was good, heard it's good, heard it's a good adaptation. And there's a pretty unpleasant rape scene in that film, Brett. Mm. And sitting Boxing there watching day, wasn't that. It? Boxing Day. On Boxing Day with yeah. uncles, aunts, and younger cousins, <laughs> and my mum. And my brother, that was the most uncomfortable I think I've felt in a film. Although, it's just come to mind, I did also go and see um, Shame with a female friend that was a platonic female friend, and within <laughs> moments, F- Fassbender's big old wang is swinging about on the on, on the huge it. screen. So that was fairly uncomfortable as well. But um, yeah, it's got to be Girl with a, a, a Dragon Tattoo, purely for the quantity of people to feel uncomfortable near it yeah, wasn't one it. person it was it a wasn't, whole at family. least it wasn't your idea at least it wasn't like hey guys i'm taking you yeah this yeah. is the one i've got this film to show that, you <laughs> that yeah that film was not a massive success and i i find it so fascinating because i'm like it seems so obvious to me that it was marketed like a putting it out on boxing day is a terrible idea yeah and b the tagline was the feel, it was called the feel bad film of the year it's like yeah no one's going to go see that. No one's we looking did. at that tagline going, oh, no one except the pips. <laughs> Gladys Knight and the pips are all going. <laughs> Saddest night and the pips. <laughs> it's what happened yeah. there. Yeah. I'd never realised that you were, your family are the backing Michaels for Gladys Knight. That's we are. <laughs> we are. We are. Uh, that's mad. What a yeah. mad film to put out on Boxing Day. Yeah, really weird choice, I guess. Um, and yeah, I think it's because of that that we didn't really anticipate quite what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah, because normally Greatest Showman is, that's a Boxing Day film. You put yeah. out Greatest Showman Boxing oh, Day. Yeah. We're, we're all going. We're having a lovely time. L- little Women. You don't put out Irreversible. Oh, thank you. Little, I'll have Little, little Women. Little Women. Thank you. The, a Christmas miracle. Thank yeah, you. 100%. In the heart of the sea. Yeah. Sort of. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Okay. Okay. So, Take so, it. so, girl with the dragon tattoo was the mad world of of Christmas of of, of, of Christmas entertainment. <laughs> so, why is Mad World Christmas number one? <laughs> That's not a Christmas number one song. Come on. Absolutely what are you doing? True. If you could, if you could show a child one film, what would it be? And also, what are you doing? In this I'm scenario. St- I'm still deciding on this because I've got three written down here. And one, I just I just want to talk about with you. Okay. Another one we've talked about before and it's got a good child performance and that was the only real reason. But I'm going to go with, because it's a cartoon and kids love cartoons, mm. Akira. Let's expand okay. their minds. Let's show them. Okay. I think at some point they have to learn that the world is unpredictable and scary. And I think starting with a cool kid in a cool jacket on a cool motorbike 
and then mm. g- going into everything that comes in Akira would be a hell of a hell of a ride. And why have you been left alone with this kid? Um, well, I told them I was going to put the Trolls film on. <laughs> you see, my kid answer was 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 Black yeah. Cauldron, but we discussed Black Cauldron oh, in the last okay. episode. So there was a few things on this that I thought my answer was one thing, but I was like, no, we've discussed mm. that film before, I think. So, yeah, Listen, I think Akira... I saw Akira when I was little, and I'm, you know, like this, so yeah. The, the, the other one that was on my list was Monos which is one of my favourite films of all time, and it's an almost all-child cast. Older children. That is not a bad idea. But almost all-child cast, and I think a lot of kids in England need to up their game, and they're messing about (laughs) and just being children, and then you see a film like Monos and go, these are children, and they've not only... In the real world, they've made this film, and in the fictional world, they're essentially fighting a war against yeah. an invisible opponent and yeah that film just blew me away um so that was one that i was like well that'll get kids in line yeah monos is really good so good isn't it's it? really good it's so I, I watched that in the cinema just on a i'd had it recommended by an acting teacher i was working with at the time just getting that in that i've trained i've trained now brett okay um <laughs> I didn't know what to expect, and, man, it just blew me away. Just every performance in that was just absolutely astounding. And it's a film that could not be made in in the West. Like, the risks that were taken in that yeah. film would not be taken by an American production or a, a British a pr- a production. When they're going it, down the rapids and you can't have yeah. faked it, you'd be like, no, we're not doing that. That's crazy. And it's just... It's really old school. Astounding. It, it feels like... Yeah, Wrath of God, where it's like, wow, these people have had an experience here and it's probably not the best way to make films (laughs) because they've almost died, they've changed permanently. But, man, every theoretically, every actor wants to make films like that, theoretically. Yeah. Probably not in the reality. I spent the first ten minutes of this moaning about being in an Airbnb for seven months (laughs) and being a bit bored. So, living in the jungle. It's stuck down in mud rapid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I love a little trick. Yeah. Like, in yeah. in the pilot of Debris, we had this bit where me and the guy I'm with had to, had to disappear, and it was all done as a one-shot and a little trick where we just have to jump behind the cameraman at a certain point, and there's a slight... And just things like that. Probably no one no, else gives trick. a shit, but I... Had, adore it like from doing a lot of one shot music videos the video for stunner has got loads of little tricks there's a bit where i switch with a double and stuff like that and i nerd out over that stuff i I adore it but i stand by it 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 does matter people may not know subconsciously it makes a difference you fucking react more you if it's real than if it's a computer you just connect to it more even if you don't know you are you do Like right. Monos is so part, partly why Monos is so amazing is because it's definitely real and you're yeah. just like yeah. well, Scroobius Piv, it's been wonderful to resurrect you and having listened to all your answers, I've decided for now to let you live. Oh, thanks. Man. But before you go, uh, a lawyer's popped over just to take your will, just in case, because you never know when I'm around what could happen. And the only thing he needs is what DVD would you leave in a will? were you to die again in the future? Mm. You can leave one DVD for, for whoever you want. I think it's a big callback to to my, my first appearance on here, and mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be Harvey. 
and I'd, I'd leave it to literally everyone I love because I think it's genuinely... I banged on about it before, so I won't bang on too much, but I think it's one of... It, it genuinely changed my outlook on life in, in, in many ways. Um, in what way? How did it change your outlook on life? Just the character, his approach, the fact that the kind of end of the film is going, yeah, he's a bit weird or he's a bit odd, but he's happy and he's positive and that's okay and we don't have to... This is going to sound really heavy now, but there was a period in my life where my parents were giving me or were putting me in speech therapy and they took me out of speech therapy because they didn't like the fact that all of the teachings seemed to imply I was broken and needed fixing. And mm. they believed I wasn't broken and didn't need fixing. If I if if I want help and can help my stammer, then great. But if not, that's just who I am and part of who I am. And I think that's a really I'd never realised that that connection. But I think that's really the story of Harvey. And there's a quote in it that I put on my first record that he says, "My mum always I, I used to say to me in this world, Elwood." She'd always call me Elwood. In this world, Elwood, you can be oh so smart or oh so pleasant. For years I was smart. I recommend pleasant. And I love it. It's beautiful. So, yeah, I'd leave Harvey for, for, for literally everyone, a copy each. I'd, I'd proper Oprah Winfrey it. You get a Harvey. You get a Harvey. <laughs> you all get a Harvey. You get a Harvey. That's very lovely, Scroobius Pip. Thank you very much. Now, is there anything you would like to tell people to look out for, to watch, to listen to before you go about your day? Not at all. Everyone should just enjoy themselves and watch more films. Or what I would tell them to watch is when you feel safe and comfortable, watch films in the cinema. Because you and me have both been banging on about this for years, but man, is it more important than ever for two reasons. I think, number one, we're going to lose a lot of cinemas because of the pandemic. And number two, also partly because of the pandemic, but it was already going there, we're going to lose a lot of amazing films because you will know as well, every production company is looking for TV shows because TV is where it can reach everyone. We've got Netflix, we've got Prime, we've got Apple TV, which also I need to mention, having one of the hits of the year on Apple TV makes it even more impressive with Ted Lasso. Because <laughs> let's not be about, like, like n- not everyone had Apple TV. Everyone had n- n- Netflix, so Tiger King goes on there, bang. Everyone's watching it. Not everyone had Apple TV. And Ted Lasso being so praised and so huge, a lot of those people who saw it got Apple TV to watch Ted Lasso. And, man, that's mind-blowing in this day and age. Like, when people are so l- lazy, like, you would have had stuff before, independent stuff, that you're like... It's available now. Where you've yeah. got to buy it on iTunes. Ah, like, uh, so it's, honestly, it's, you you yeah. can rent it on iTunes. Ah, uh, yeah, I'll get round to it. Like people are so lazy yeah, yeah. if it's not already on their phone or already in their streaming system. So, so true. It's fucking amazing, man. So yeah, a big bit of love on that. Yeah. But yeah, just c- cinemas, man. It, it, it worries me and scares me. As I said, I adore doing. Debris, but one of the things that that seven month period had me feeling was I want to make more films, man. Because mm. I love getting to develop a character and be a character and potentially have series after series, but I love films. I love the focus of films, the freedom of films, the not being restricted to a time, a running time, to advert breaks, to all these other things, to hopefully all of the artistic decisions being made for artistic reasons. 
and film is still really the only place that that happens. I know Netflix, I know Apple TV can have more flexibility on that, but still there's some resistance to that freedom. There's still, we want to kind of get the running time around this or around that rather than around how long it needs to be for this story. And film is where that is. So get in the cinemas, man. When you feel comfortable and safe. I'm not, I'm also not trying to rush people out of a pandemic to indoors, you know. Lovely. What a lovely boy. Uh, thank you, Scroobius Pip. Thank you, Brett Goldstein. I hope you have a wonderful life and I'll see you soon. Good night. Oh, man, I'm going to die again, aren't I? Shit. <laughs> so that was episode 150. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets, and video with Scroobius Pip. Go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, but don't write about the show. Write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a very nice thing to read. Helps Maureen out. And we love it. Don't forget to get your tickets for the live show at the Underbelly Festival. And that's all your admin. That's your admin. You've been very good. Enjoy the admin. Thank you so much to Scroobius Pip for doing this show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip again and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAST for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week. Oh, it's a smash your next week. Next week, I have the amazing Maisie Williams herself, and you are going to love it. I hope all of you are well. That is it for now. Have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Friends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.